This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the latest action from the Illinois State Legislature's fall veto session, including new congressional maps, changes to the state's health care right of conscience act, parent notification of abortion, and more. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about COVID mitigation mandates, taxes, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. It's on to the governor with a controversial bill that drew more public opposition filed through the legislative process than seen in recent history. During committee, Senate President Don Harmon said changes are needed to the Health Care Right of Conscience Act to clarify people can't refuse to comply with COVID-19 mandates like testing. He equated it to a breath alcohol test if suspected of drunk driving under the influence. Senator Jill Tracy countered that. In your case of the breathalyzer, it's a it's an established law. The testing and the vaccination mandate are not law. What difference does that make? Well, I mean, it, it, it does make a difference uh, because it, it's an established law. Tens of thousands of Illinoisans filed witness slips in opposition to the proposed changes that carve out any COVID mitigation. Ryan Cunning with the group Speak for Students testified in committee Thursday. He urged lawmakers to reject the changes. We have seen the largest grassroots movement across the state of Illinois in which parents have risen up and made their voices heard and the amount of witness slips that have been filed over the course of this bill. The state is watching, the nation is watching, the country is watching. So your actions and what you take today, people are watching and will hold people accountable for such. Despite the historic levels of opposition, Democratic leadership passed the measure with simple majorities. Earlier in the week, the governor was asked about the issue, and he called some of the concerns, quote, Facebook fakery. It's a very, very narrow adjustment that is focused only on COVID-19 and getting through this pandemic. House Amendment 3 that was filed Wednesday that removes examples of enforcement and also removes an immediate effective date, something that lowered the threshold for passage, making the measure take effect July 1st, 2022. But the governor said that the proposed change to the act is very narrow. Uh, the Health Care Right of Conscience Act is being misinterpreted uh, and, uh, you know, and used in court cases to try to allow people who just don't want to get vaccinated or anti-vaxxers, the anti-maskers, uh, to avoid the rules. 
In an Adams County case blocking an employer from firing health care workers, Attorney Thomas DeVore acknowledged the state's influenza vaccine law requires the flu vaccine in certain instances, but there's no such thing for the COVID-19 vaccine. Pritzker was asked, why not just mirror that? Look, I, I'm going to let the lawyers who are fighting the, in court about this, uh, you know, make the case. Six nurses employed by Riverside Healthcare in Kankakee that filed a lawsuit against the hospital over their right to refuse the COVID-19 vaccine have been granted a temporary restraining order. Andrew Hensel has more. The nurses will be represented by the Liberty Justice Center and attorney Daniel Sir. Sir says the TRO will prohibit Riverside Healthcare from taking any employee action on the nurses until November 19th. Purpose is to preserve the status quo uh, while the court fully considers the case. Uh, and in this instance, that means that Riverside cannot take any employment action uh, like firing or terminating. Sir said that this decision by the court gives the nurses a layer of protection. Uh, and it is an order. It is it is uh, an official decision of the court. It is binding on uh, Riverside, and uh, it will it will fully protect these nurses. Riverside Healthcare in Kankakee said they plan on releasing a statement in the coming days. I'm Andrew Hensel. Following that temporary restraining order, 56 more employees are requesting to be added to the lawsuit. Operators of licensed daycares in Illinois say the governor's COVID-19 vaccine mandate on the industry will make a staffing crisis even more severe. The governor issued the executive order last week for daycare workers to be vaccinated. Women of the Illinois Republican Senate Caucus said that the mandate's short-sighted and will exacerbate the staffing issues. Sarah Stoliker with the Illinois Directors and Owners of Child Care Centers agreed. We're not opposed to public health measures that would help bring this pandemic to an end. But there has to be a balance. Stoliker said for years, even before COVID-19, there were severe staffing shortages for daycares across the state, which limits availability for working families. And regardless of how one feels about vaccine mandates, this policy is going to lead to more daycare closures and less access to daycare slots for working families across the state. She said facilities will likely struggle to implement the mandate, let alone cover the cost for regular testing. And I've got to now provide another staff person in my in my classroom to be able to cover that person out getting a test. It's very cumbersome. The governor downplayed Stoliker's concerns as being politically motivated and defended his order, saying it's meant to keep the community safe from COVID-19. The Illinois House followed the Senate in passing a repeal of the state's law requiring parental notification of abortion. Kevin Bessler has that story. The 1995 law requires parents to be notified when a minor seeks an abortion. Dr. Aaron King is the executive director of the Hope Clinic for Women in Granite City. I have reviewed and I know the medical evidence. I know that forced parental involvement laws serve no valid purpose and can hurt young people and delay care. Representative Avery Bourne voted against repealing the Parental Notification Act. This is clearly an attempt to take away the knowledge of parents in what is happening in their minor children's life. Representative C.D. Davis-Meyer voted against the repeal. I think you're opening this up where supportive families will not be involved in these incredibly difficult decisions. And that is a major, major problem. Retired Judge Susan Gillis presided over numerous judicial bypass proceedings as permitted by the current law. That law, in my experience as a judge, tasked with deciding these waivers is unnecessary, overly punitive, and places burdens on young women seeking health care. I'm Kevin Bessler. The measure now heads to the governor. It's expected he'll enact the bill into law.
After not even two weeks, the draft released two hours before final vote and a downstate hearing that never happened. Democrats at the Illinois State House passed new congressional maps. For weeks, Republicans have been trying to discern what input was being considered by Democrat staff crafting the maps. During a midday hearing, State Senator Jason Berkman asked Senate President Don Harmon several different ways if the governor's office had been involved. Uh, thank you, Counselor. Are, are, are we preparing for litigation at this point? I, I am I'm not aware. To, I'm just trying to get I, my question answered as to I, whether I, the governor provided you input on the bill. I, I am not aware of any uh, any any notes or any input. Later on the floor, Berkman criticized reported private meetings with Democrat staff and congressional members. Harmon said he didn't take part in any of those meetings. Other than the nefarious uh, uh, veneer you have uh, placed over this. Uh, Without doubt, we have taken input from stakeholders of all shapes and sizes. Also on floor debate, State Senator Terry Bryant said there haven't been enough hearings, including a scheduled downstate hearing that didn't happen. We have not been allowed to have an in-person voice when there were multiple opportunities for the people who are in other parts of this state. Others said it'll likely be the most gerrymandered map in the nation, with advocacy groups saying there needed to be more time. State Senator Jason Plummer brought up an ethical issue with the redistricting committee being led by someone who flirted with the idea of running for a new congressional seat. Senate President Don Harmon responded. If that were a conflict of interest, wouldn't we all have had to have recused ourselves on the vote to adopt a map for the General Assembly? Not if we let the people draw the maps and have nonpartisan independent commissions, Mr. President. Democrats criticized Republicans for not producing maps. Despite having a budget to do so, Republicans have for years been adamant districts should be crafted by a nonpartisan commission. With the legislature wrapped up for the year, they didn't select a new inspector to investigate alleged lawmaker wrongdoing. Current Legislative Inspector General Carol Pope, who called the office a paper tiger, said months ago she planned to step down on December 15th. The chairwoman of the Legislative Ethics Commission said they'll ask Pope to remain until a new inspector is approved. And the Illinois Supreme Court's shot down Cook County's tax on guns and ammo. A gun rights group that brought the case says it's a major win for gun owners statewide. Since 2012, Cook County's taxed guns an extra $25. There was also a one to five cent tax per round of ammo, adding up for large ammo purchases. The county argued revenue generated was necessary to help pay for the fallout of gun crimes. Peter Patterson, an attorney for plaintiffs' gun save life, said during oral arguments in May that it, as the government can't tax free speech, it can't tax the Second Amendment. The Illinois Supreme Court agreed. Gun Save Life Executive Director John Bach said the outcomes of victory for gun rights statewide, as there have been talks in the past at the State House of similar taxes on guns and ammo. And they've also been talking about additional surtaxes on uh, very popular selling. Uh, uh, firearms, uh, police patrol type rifles and magazines that feed them. And so all that stuff is off the table right now. A spokesperson for Cook County said they're reviewing their next move. Box said there are other cases they're watching closely. Of course, we've got the, the Floyd card challenge that's uh, working its way through court. Uh, and then, of course, we're waiting for a decision from the Illinois Supreme Court on our Deerfield case uh, challenging the uh, uh, gun and uh, magazine ban there in uh, the village of Deerfield. Uh, we'll be interested to see what the Illinois Supreme Court comes with uh, in that appeal that uh, Deerfield filed. 
Bach expects a ruling by the Supreme Court on the Deerfield case in the months ahead. The Foyd card case is still in the circuit court. Those are the top stories from the past week. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Illinois In Focus podcast, broadcast as well on the Illinois Radio Network. This is the Crosstalk segment. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square here in Illinois, joined by my friend and colleague, executive editor, Dan McCaleb. Danny, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Chris? I know you're on the road this week. Hope all is well. Things are great. Things are great. Out seeing this beautiful country of ours. Today, I'm actually in the city of Seattle. And let me tell you something, it's a mess. Uh, Lots to fix here. Um, I'm sure. But we're talking about Illinois today. And you know what? We're going to be talking about vaccines. And and when we we run out of things to talk about vaccines, we're going to talk about vaccines. And then we're going to talk about more vaccines. And then we're going to talk about vaccines again. How about that? Vaccines all the time. All right. Let's try to make this vaccine conversation interesting. Um, it has been fascinating political theater um, and debate and discussion, you know, actually some meaningful conversations being had at the legislative level uh, during the second veto uh, session week in Springfield. And the co- topic of conversation that's, that's um, occupied, you know, the vast majority of the space is this right of conscience act that is law that's been on the books in Illinois since 1998 which, and uh, I'll, I'll offer this up crudely, and Dan, you can, you know, um, make this uh, more uh, more accurate. I'd appreciate it if you could make it more accurate. But ultimately, it says that I don't have to do anything to my body that I don't, I don't want to do, that I have the right of conscience to make a decision about what to or what not to put uh, into my body. Um, that is being tested to the full limits an extent of the intent of the law uh, under the conditions of this global pandemic, COVID-19, in which vaccination mandates have been made um, and, and laid upon certain people with certain jobs or who have certain conditions or you know whatever the case might be. So what's going on with this? Can you bring us up to date and, and help to make the complexities of this just melt away. <laughs> it is complex, so I'll do my best, uh, Chris. Um, so, uh, well, first let me say um, uh, we're recording this on the morning of uh, Thursday, October 28th. The legislature is going to be in session today. So um, what we talk about, who knows with the Illinois legislature, there could be changes coming later today. There could be developments. But in um, Governor Pritzker, of course, has issued vaccine mandates for certain segments of the, the work population. 
um, many state government uh, uh, offices, um, healthcare, the healthcare industry, uh, K through 12 schools, teachers, teacher, uh, teachers and administrators uh, uh, have to be vaccinated. Col college students and college professors um, have to be uh, vaccinated. Those in congregate settings, uh, such as nursing homes and prisons, have to be vaccinated or they could lose their job. Well, that runs con contrary to state law. The Healthcare Right of Conscience Act, uh, passed about uh, 20 years ago, says, as you said, um, uh, pr uh, uh, prevents um, employers from requiring uh, workers um, uh, who have uh, conscientious objections to certain healthcare treatments from getting those healthcare treatments. So, um, in dozens of lawsuits that have been filed across the state against Governor Pritzker's vaccine mandates, um, attorneys for the plaintiffs have been arguing that uh, Governor Pritzker's executive orders requiring these mandates are illegal because it violates the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act. So there has been movement in the legislature. Governor uh, Pritzker has has asked the legislature to amend that law to allow for his COVID-19 uh, mandates, including vaccination mandates and mask mandates and things like that, to, to make them legal under state law. As you and I have talked about, um, over the last 20 months, the legislature has been mostly hands-off and has allowed Governor Pritzker to run uh, his COVID the, his COVID policies through executive orders, not through legislatively passed laws. Well, this week the legislature took up during a, a fall veto session. The legislature took up Pritzker's call for the uh, the legislature to to change the Healthcare Right of Conscious Act. Um, one version of the bill passed the Senate earlier this week. The House um, has had been working on it. Um, uh, many Democrats even um, opposed the changes to the law, um, which, for example, wouldn't allow, uh, um, uh, uh, we'll talk about this lawsuit here in a second, uh, the law wouldn't allow health care facilities to fire whoever, nurses, doctors, right. as assistants, um, uh, who refused to get uh, the vaccine. Or if they just didn't simply invoke the law and, and right. did not did not get the vaccine. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about one of those lawsuits here in a few minutes. Cool. Well, so so because there was such opposition to changing the law immediately, um, uh, allowing uh, uh, employers uh, to fire employees who don't get the COVID-19 vaccine, um, there was an amendment uh, to the law made yesterday. And over the overnight, um, the House did pass uh, a new version of the uh, uh, amendment to the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act that essentially um, would 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 re, it removes um, any any discussion about uh, uh, enforcement. Um, so it, it it doesn't say whether an employee can or can't uh, fire a person. But the other thing is, in order for the for this amendment to take effect immediately. Uh, to amend the law to allow uh, Governor Pritzker's COVID-19 mandates to be enforced. Uh, they lowered the vote threshold from 71 votes to 60 votes. So if, it, if they got 71 votes, it could take effect immediately, meaning if the House passed it, um, the, the Senate would still have to concur, and Governor Pritzker signed it. Um, the Health Care Right of Conscience Act would be amended to allow for termination of employees um, who refused to get the vaccine mandate in these specific industries. But they couldn't get the 72 votes because a, 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 a good number of Democrats were opposed to it. All Republicans were opposed to the changes, um, but a significant number of Democrats were also opposed to it. So they lowered the vote threshold to 60 votes. 
but that means it doesn't take effect until July 1st, 2022. So it looks like it's still mm. the, the House passed it. It still has to go to the Senate, assuming the Senate does approve it too, and it goes to Pritzker's desk and he signs it. Um, effective July 1st, 2022, um, the Health Care Right of Conscience Act will be amended to allow um, uh, employers to take actions, disciplinary actions against their employees uh, who, who don't get the vaccine. Now we're 20 months, of course, into this pandemic. Um, we, we've, we've had the vaccine available for about 10 or 11 months um, uh, uh, for, for most groups. I'm hoping by July 1st, 2022, we're gonna be on the other side of this pandemic. Now, who knows? Um, so the question is, what's the relevance of this law taking effect in Ju on July 1st, 2022, um, uh, when the vaccine mandates are in place now? And number yeah. two, what's the legal ramifications when it comes to all these lawsuits, all these employees who do not wanna get the uh, COVID-19 vaccine mandate, who are right. fighting the governor's orders in court, what's the legal ramifications for that? Yes, they changed this law, but it, not until July 1st, 2022. So technically, not technically, in reality, the current Healthcare Right of Conscious Act is, uh, which prevents employers from disc discriminating uh, against uh, workers who have certain objections uh, to, to getting health care treatments, such as COVID-19 vaccine, vaccine mandates. What's that going to mean legally with, as these lawsuits play out in court? Very complex. I understand. I hope I, I, I know. It. And I mean, that, and, and like, so, you know, the only significance of that day, July 1, 2022, that I'm aware of is that the, that is the first day of the new fiscal year then that would be the 2023 um, start, uh, the start to the 2023 fiscal budget. Right. I mean, I, I, it's not a magic. I mean, it's, it, what else could it be? Why else would it be that day? Uh, state law requires certain vo vote thresholds. W w generally when the legislature uh, creates new laws during, you know, regular times and during the legislature, um, if, if a bill gets a just a simple majority of votes in both chambers and is signed by the governor, yeah, um, it takes effect on on January first of the next year. This is during oh, spring right, session. Right, right. But if it gets a super majority of votes, um, you know, two thirds majority of votes, it can take effect immediately. What did the, this particular amendment to the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act did not get a super majority of votes in the House, so it can't take effect until. In this case, because it's fall session, it's not spring session until July 1st, 2022. I got you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Again, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of moving parts in there. Um, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's very wonky, but it's important uh, for those workers out there who have reservations or have religious objections to get into COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah. And you know what? It, it, I think the one size fits all aspect of this is is really the the biggest hardship of the vaccine mandate i was talking to a, a friend uh last night and um was we were talking about vaccine um like vaccine cards uh and to take this off you know farther from what's going on in illinois they have actually implemented vaccine card requirements uh for public like places here indoors in King County, Washington, where Seattle is. So thank goodness I had my vaccine card with me. I was a little bit reluctant to show it, but I was also a little reluctant to starve. And the, the process by which they reviewed the card was not sophisticated at all. 
I mean, I just took it out of my wallet and waved it. Nobody looked at it, read it, verified it against my ID or anything. And if that's, you know, if this is how that kind of policy is going to be actually managed, it's a waste of time and, and, and largely, uh, largely a joke. So it's a question there. So that means going into a restaurant, going into the hotel you're staying at, you have to you have to flash your vaccine card. That's correct. Wow, that's correct. Yep. So I had to show them my papers. Um, it could have, you know, I could have been showing them like, you know, part of the menu from Denny's uh, for as as much as they, you know, they focused on it. Uh, but it was, you know, a compulsory thing that had to be done, right? Or I couldn't stay here, and I couldn't eat here, and would be kind of a problem for me. Um, but at any rate, you know, the, the the person I was having dinner with, you know, we were talking about the whole vaccine card thing. And, you know, I, I explained, you know, my thinking around uh, getting vaccinated and haven't had any issues with it before. Now, they said to me they were not vaccinated. Uh, they had to present a vaccine negative, uh, excuse me, they had to present a negative COVID test to go into the restaurant to meet me last night for dinner. And how, like, what was the time frame? It had to be negative in the last 48 hours or 72 yeah, right. hours? Or? Right. Yeah. I think that, I think that that's right. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that, uh, she had gotten a rapid test and, and so it, it had delivered the result within like 15 minutes. It was actually, she had taken it that day. And, um, uh, but at any rate, you know, it's like, we talked a little bit about like, well, how come, you know, you know, how come you haven't been vaccinated? And in, in her personal case, it was like there was a medical issue related to vaccines and the vaccine, you know, her doctor, her doctor, not her governor, had advised that she shouldn't take the vaccine because it could trigger a significant medical emergency for her. What, what, so, you know, so th there are people out there that have like that have conditions and the one size fits all idea that's, you know, that that you have to do this or you're not allowed to do that as it applies in particular to this law. The, the, it, to me, you know, as we've talked about this and you did a really terrific job of explaining right of conscience act and, and sort of the changes to it. I, I give you all the credit in the world for that because it's com it's complex. What they did was. They took the rights away, the Illinois state legislature, and this is going to go to the governor. They took the rights away of someone who has a legitimate medical condition to say, no, I, I, can't, I can't. It's not right for me. They, 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 just, they just eliminated that. It looks like they're going to eliminate it. It still has to go back to the Senate, which will yeah. probably happen later today right. for concurrence. And then Governor Pritzker almost assuredly uh uh will sign it well there's not a lot of interference that happens in the illinois in the in the illinois legislature you know i mean it, it i'd be stunned if it doesn't go through now i mean for the benefit of people that are listening to us i mean stay with the center square follow the story the story will move along i'm offering my opinion here um but you know if, if this is something that that governor pritzker wants i think it's going to be something that governor pritzker gets and um not you know obviously not a, not a fan of forcing things on people like that i mean just a you know just a lack of uh, lack of freedom right there and and it's not just uh, people whose doctors because of certain health conditions um uh where their doctors recommend they do not 
uh, or strongly urge them not to get the COVID-19 vaccine. There are, there, are, there are plenty of people, in fact, one of the lawsuits we're going to talk about here in a minute, um, who object on religious grounds. Um, right. the, the fact that um, fetal cell lines, cell lines from aborted fetuses, um, uh, essentially were used during the testing process to create these vaccines. And there are cer certainly plenty of people who object to do using um, fetuses um, for in any kind of uh, uh, testing. And, and so that's another reason why um, right. uh, people who have not been vaccinated uh, offer for, for not wanting right. to get vaccinated. You know, I mean, and, and uh, I mean, outside of, and let's, let's jump into the, and talk about the nurses because, this is a story that, that the, the center square is, has, you know, we picked up on this, gosh, maybe it was about a month ago. I mean, I'm not sure when they went, when, when they, when they originally um, filed, but there are six nurses who are employed by Riverside health in Kankakee uh, who filed a lawsuit against the hospital uh, over their right to refuse the COVID-19 uh, vaccine. And they were granted a temporary restraining order by the court. Um, that order was to hold until November 19th. Um, what's going on? You know, I mean, there, there was there was another timeline that was involved in here. Um, and I believe it was that the hospital itself was going to fire the nurses on Halloween, October I, 31st. October did, 31st. Fine. Yeah, right. So so we got a couple of timelines here. Let's up. Let's give everybody an update on the story and kind of figure out where where we are with them and, and, and where they go from here. So these six nurses um, uh, who work at Riverside Healthcare, as you mentioned, in, in Kankakee, declined to get the, um, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine for the very issue that I just stated. They have a religious exemption to the fact uh, that uh, fetus cells were used uh, in the testing um, process. So they were not, uh, <clears throat> they're completely against abortion. Um, uh, uh, they objected to that, did not get the vaccine. So they faced loose because of Governor Pritzker's orders and the, the, uh, Riverside Healthcare's decision to follow those orders. They faced termination by Sunday, October 31st. Um, they went to court, filed a lawsuit um, uh, using the, the Healthcare Right of Conscious Act, um, saying that's a, it's against the law, and the judge agreed with them. Uh, granted, a at least preliminarily agreed with them, I, I should say. Granted a temporary restraining order, uh, scheduled a hearing for November 19th, um, where he'll, or excuse me, she, where uh, uh, the judge will decide um, whether to issue a preliminary injunction to extend um, uh, to extend that uh, ban on uh, the the healthcare system from firing uh, the nurses. So this is this is an ongoing thing, but the nurses won preliminarily, so they cannot be laid off or fired um, by Riverside Healthcare uh, by this coming Sunday. Okay, okay. So what hap what happens next? I mean, what we, you know, what, what th this has become a you know, obviously a big ordeal for the, for these, for these nurses. Right. Um, sure. Their livelihoods are, are, are right, at stake. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, know, they worked the past 20 plus months during COVID-19. Yeah. Um, put themselves at risk um, of getting COVID-19 um, uh, uh, by treating patients at the hospital there. You know, we were calling these folks heroes uh, during the, during the pandemic. Um, but now the healthcare system, because of governor Pritzker's orders, um, essentially is trying to make villains out of them because they have a l religious conscientious objection to how the COVID-19 vaccines 
um, were developed. So uh, what's changed or what probably will have changed between when the judge granted the temporary restraining order, uh, preventing the healthcare system from firing the nurses to this November 19th hearing date is the legislature, uh, again, we're recording this before the Senate uh, uh, has passed the, the House changes to the bill, but assuming the Senate does and assuming Governor Pritzker uh, uh, signs it, um, what will have changed is the legislature changed the law but the law is not going to actually change until July 1st, 2022. So it's going to it's going to depend on how the judge interprets that. And keep in mind, too, there are dozens of lawsuits across the state. Um, so there will be other hearings challenging Governor Pritzker's orders. There will be other judges weighing in on it. You could very well get conflicting decisions about this. So ultimately, it's probably going to have to go to the Illinois Supreme Court and to make a final decision for, for these separate cases across the state and separate counties across the state. Mm -hmm. And we know how the, how the judicial process uh, can work. It can be slow and tedious. Now, because yeah. of the pandemic, the Supreme Court maybe could expedite some of this. But it, it really, the, the legal aspects of this, it remains unclear. Mm. Um, is there any, you know, is there been any word from the hospital? I mean, are they going to follow through and, and, and fire these nurses on, on the 31st? Well, they, they'd be violating a judge's ruling. So I don't, I don't think that's, uh, that's not going to happen. I don't see that's going to happen because then these nurses yeah. would have legal recourse, monetary legal recourse to go back and sue the hospital uh, right. for, for back wages and, and, right. uh, and other things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, well, that, that makes sense. Um, it's not only nurses, um, you know, of course, we've heard from fire and police, you know, uh, not so much in Illinois, but in other places around the country. Uh, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago, Chicago has... that's true. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's Chicago fire and Chicago uh, police have both said, um, you know, that they, they don't want to they don't want to report to the to the city whether they are or aren't vaccinated. That was the sort of the, the issue there. Um, the mandates that the state are laying out uh, would obviously have a deleterious effect to staffing there. Um, daycares, however, are maybe um, as vulnerable uh, an employment situation. What, what's what, Greg Bishop had a story on that earlier this week. Dan, what's the story there? So yeah, so um, uh, last month, um, or in in some cases even a couple of months ago, Governor Pritzker put vaccine mandates in place, as as I mentioned earlier, for uh, things like healthcare workers, for um, K through twelve uh, teachers and administrators, for college professors and and other college staff, for college students, for uh, workers in congregate care settings such as nursing homes. Uh, and, and prisons. Well, on Friday, he signed another executive order requiring uh, daycare providers um, and daycare staff to have their staff fully vaccinated if they're going to work in daycares. Well, the, the problem with that is before the pandemic, there was a, a significant shortage of daycare workers. Um, if this goes into effect, depending what happens, uh, you know, with the Right of Conscious Act and, and what the legal interpretations of, of that are, and um, uh, daycares are prevented from um, having workers who remain unvaccinated, some percentage of daycare workers who are currently taking care of uh, moms and dads' children while they're out at work 
um, uh, are going to leave. So it's going to just amplify uh, the worker shortage in the daycare industry. And what's that going to mean? That's going to mean, you know, let's just as one example, single moms who rely on their daycare uh, to take care of their child so they can go to work, make a living, pay taxes. Um, what's going to happen to them? They're not going to be able to go to work. Wow. So the widespread ramifications of these mandates. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the <laughs> legislatively, if you pull a lever, it doesn't just it doesn't just move one thing. You know, it, it sets off a series of, of, of events behind it. And um, this doesn't seem th this particular area for mandate doesn't seem contemporary with reality. Greg Bishop, in his story, as you mentioned, uh, he talked to uh, Sarah Stolker with the Illinois directors and owners of child care centers. And she told us, and this is a direct quote, regardless of how one feels about vaccine mandates, this policy is going to lead to more daycare closures and less access to daycare slots for working families across the state. So this is going to have an effect on the economy, too. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, all right. One more vax item. <laughs> you, got any, you, got, you got any more vax? You want to take a breath, maybe? Yeah, I'm a little vaxed like, out this today. A little vaxed out. Um, but here, okay, so here we are. And, and, and I, people have been following the news, even, you know, just kind of a little bit. There have been uh, approvals on vaccines for younger kids. And now the state this week rolled out a plan for vaccinating kids ages five to 11. Um, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So we've, got, we've gotten to this point. I mean, it, you know, the, the data, Dan, I mean, I'll just give you a chance to like reload your, 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 your mind right here, but We've gone through this pandemic and we've paid attention to what's going on. You and I and, and the rest of the Center Square team, I mean, we, we're, we're very we're diligent about uh, data and staying up with science and, and you know, uh, the, the, the uh, coalescing of those two things, science and data. The urgency at which we are moving to vaccinate kids between the ages of 5 and 11 and just in my opinion, it doesn't line up with the science and the data that's out there about kids who are five to 11, you know, getting COVID and having problems with COVID. Right. Right. So why, why are we doing this? You know, why, why is it, why is this the initiative? So first, I want to say um, we've been talking a lot, obviously a lot about vaccines and vaccine mandates or whatever. I, I do want to say for adults um, uh, who have a personal choice, um, I strongly recommend you to get the vaccine. Um, but I, I, but government shouldn't be mandating what you do with your body, right? What you inject into your body. And we agree on that. Yes, we agree on that. I just wanted to make clear that we're, I, I, you and I are not anti-vaccine. We encourage everybody no. listening. No, talk to your yeah. doctor. Get the yeah. vaccine. You and I got vac. You and I got vaccinated about as soon as we possibly could. We did. Yes, we did. Um, but so so so. But now we're talking about children ages five to eleven 
talking about a lower dose than what adults or uh, the, the vaccine has been av available uh, to adults since, you know, only certain populations because there was a limited rollout since December. Uh, many adults became uh, eligible in January. There were there were phases in of it. And then, and then um, the FDA granted approval to children 12 through 18 um, uh, several months ago. So the vaccine has been readily available for uh, ages 12, 12 and up. Well, now the FDA or now the FDA is look is going to be granting approval for children five to eleven, and the state um, is preparing for the rollout um, of, of that. Again, though, it's going to be a parent's individual choice. There are plenty. There there are concerns by adults if they should get the vaccine. Now we're asking uh, children as young as five years of age, preschool, kindergarten, in some cases, um, uh, to have them. Uh, get vaccinated, and I can understand there are going to be plenty of parents who are concerned about that. Now, what no one's talking about right now, at least not as far as I know, is that we mandate children ages five to eleven uh, right. to get the man to get the vaccine. And so is, this is, is that where is that where you think this is going? Like, let let's level set it because I mean, in Illinois, you know, we've I feel like we've gone through a lot, right? I mean, uh, you know, um, it, it we we happen to live in one of those states where COVID has been particularly, uh, uh, what's the right word? Present. <laughs> Not necessarily the virus at all times, but the but the mitigation attempts and, you know, I mean, our government's gotten very involved in people's lives in, in this in the state of Illinois more so than than they have in other states. Just just I'll just keep it clean like that. Are the are the kids who are vaccine eligible now in Illinois high schools are have we cl clarified that part of, of the of the process? Because I mean, I'm like thinking about where this is headed. Right? So the vaccines are going to be available for kids five to eleven. Kids that are twelve and up right now have been eligible to get vaccinated. Where are we with that with high schools and and middle schools? Because I mean, that's already a that's already a dogfight that's been going on for a while. So there, there, there's no vaccine mandates in the state of Illinois right now for students. There is for teachers and, you know, administrators, principals, uh, support staff, things like that. Students, there is no mandate. And Governor Pritzker has said, um, not necessarily recently, but he has said in the past few weeks and few months that he is not considering a vaccine mandate for students. Now, it has happened in other parts of the country. There, in California, mm -hmm. there are vaccine mandates. Uh, in some areas of California, there are vaccine mandates for students. Um, so, that, no, it's not a requirement. And at least the last time he met, he talked about it, Governor Pritzker has said he's not considering that. Um, but now we're talking about, you know, preschool and kindergarten age children, five to 11, the vaccine, the FDA, uh, a, 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 an FDA committee yesterday, uh, an advisory panel um, uh, voted to um, grant emergency authorization um, for Pfizer's two uh, COVID-19 vaccine for children those ages. It still needs to get the final approval from the full FDA, but that's expected any day or any week now. Um, so what Illinois is, is doing is, so if, if you're a parent in Illinois and you have a, a five-year-old or up to an 11-year-old, you can't get the vaccine for your child today, not yet. Um, but it's probably going to be available here in, in just a matter of weeks. 
um, for your children. So you, you I just encourage parents to think, you know, think about it, talk about it uh, with your significant others, um, and make sure that's maybe talk and talk about it with your pediatricians um, before you know making a decision on it. Um, I I can understand parents who would be wary of it, as you said up top. Um, uh, plenty of studies and research have showed that children that age. Generally speaking, the vast majority of children at that age, even if they uh, contract COVID-19, the symptoms aren't severe. Right. Um, very, very, very few uh, uh, children have died after contracting COVID-19. So there's, know, a, there's a slight risk if you get COVID-19 in your child, right. but, but it's minuscule. Right. Know, but the Much more less we, than 1%. The longer we go into this, the more that we learn, right? I mean, like, Who's likely to be who's more likely to transmit COVID? Someone who's been vaccinated or someone who's been unvaccinated? Data doesn't determine that conclusively. No. Um, I've been vaccinated. I haven't been vaccinated. Uh, I can get COVID either way. Breakthrough cases are happening all the time. Right. A good friend of mine just got a breakthrough case this last week. So I mean, it's like the, you know, the I get it. You, there probably are people out there that are in a hurry to get their children vaccinated. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm one of them. Yeah. I mean, um, in that age bracket, my, again, I have, and we have this decision to make at home. Yeah. So we'll have to see how it goes. How old your youngest again? Nine. Nine. So you do have, a, you had, and, and, and your wife is a doctor. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to win this necessarily. I don't think. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide that's different from hers. This is interesting, though. I don't want to. I, I don't necessarily want to pry. And if you don't want to share it publicly sure. like this, what is? Where are you? Where are you at right now in that discussion? Haven't had it yet. Okay. Um, but um, I, I suspect that we'll be having that conversation over the weekend. Yeah. And it's I'm a sure tough that, conversation. I'm, I'm sure. sure that she looks forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Um, all right, so uh, we are cleaning some things up, um, you know, from uh, uh, veto session week. So, one of the uh, one of the pieces of uh, law that that came through was this repeal of the parental notification on on abortions. Yeah, uh, so a- this is like wowza. So, um, let's spend some time with this. Yes, so the Illinois legislature has been in session this week for veto session, and they actually worked on something other than vaccine mandates uh, or the right well, of. That's nice of them. Glad glad they worked something else in. Yeah. Of course, I'm, I'm not so I don't know how to feel about the thing that they that you're about to talk about, right? right. So, so uh, uh, essentially, it relates to the Parental Notification of Abortion Act, which has has required. Um, teachers, counselors, school administrators, healthcare, abortion providers, to notify parents if if, if a child, um, uh, you know, younger than seventeen, um, goes to them and seeks an abortion, um, uh, parental notification of abortion act. Well, essentially, the legislature this week, both chambers, the House um, and the Senate. Uh, amended that law, essentially taking that requirement away. So a 15-year-old, for example, if she, if, if she gets pregnant, she is able to go, she will be, would be, it still has to be signed by Governor Pritzker, but that's fully expected. Um, um, if this law is, is amended, 
uh, you know, a 15 year old, for example, would be able to go to um, an abortion provider and get an abortion without her parents um, being being notified. Um, of course, uh, parents groups, um, Republicans opposed it, um, but it looks like that's going to take effect. Okay. Um, Should parents know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it. Like, that, that's where I struggle with this, right? I mean, it's parents have a responsibility to their children. The children has no. The, the child has no responsibility to the parent by law. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I in, mean, in addition, I, I mean, in, in addition to being a, a very invasive physical procedure, yeah, uh, abortions have uh, effects on uh, individuals' psyche, their emotions, things like sure. that. Shouldn't a parent know if their 14, 15-year-old um, daughter has, has had an abortion or wants to get an abortion? Yeah, it's 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 really it's mind numbing. Uh, it, it's it's terrifying. Um. Okay, there we go. Lastly, that cell phone in your pocket in Illinois costs more than the cell phone in the pocket of pretty much anywhere else. In the uh, state of Washington, even. Yeah, in fact, it's um, it is the highest. Uh, the the taxes that we pay on that. And, and and is that because we've so that's a new report that came out this week. Um, is that because we dump so many weird municipal uh, taxes into the wireless taxes here yeah. in Illinois? Like my like my village got rid of uh, vehicle stickers. I think I pay for it. You know, instead of paying for one or two or three cars or whatever, however many cars we had. Um, I pay for it for like six phones now, so it's like really a great deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we we've, we've we've talked exhaustively. If you if you're a listener of this uh, podcast or radio show, we've talked exhaustively about Illinois having among the highest overall tax burden on its citizens. Um, property taxes, um, of course, if you're a homeowner and you pay property taxes, you know how how high your property taxes are, but second highest in the nation. Uh, but a new report uh, from the Tax Foundation uh, came out and shows that Illinois Illinoisans pay 34.56% of taxes, so essentially 35% in taxes on their wireless bills. So when you complain to you know AT and T or Verizon or whoever your provider is, and you say why is your bill so high, um, uh, they can come back and you can say well it's 35% higher because of the Illinois taxes. Right. Um, that compares to 14.6%, uh, for example, um, in the state of Idaho, the national average is 23.94%, so about 24%. So we're about a full 10, 10 percentage points higher uh, than, than the national average. And that's because Illinois um, uh, tax on, uh, one, the federal government, uh, there's, a, there's a federal tax. States and localities uh, uh, also charge and assess a 911 fee to pay for 911 services uh, and whatnot. And in Illinois, they tack on what's called a state telecommunications tax on, ta on top of it. So you're essentially being uh, taxed by three, uh, three separate uh, entities um, uh, in the state of Illinois. And that's why the average is about 35% of your bill. 
Well, thanks for clarifying that. Uh, I always wondered why I hated my uh, cell phone bill. Now I know because it's all tax. <laughs> yeah. And my voicemail doesn't work you know, on my phone. And I can't I can't fix it. I'm starting to sound like an old person. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn, AT&T and Verizon and T-Mobile and whoever else. Um, all right, Dan, we've 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 pretty much like exhausted, you know, unless you want to hang around and talk more about vaccines and vaccine oh. mandates. Um, gosh, we had a nice I'll little pass. chat about abortion law. Um, I mean, we wrap it up with the wireless chit chat. Um, probably could have sent a text on that. You know, that wasn't a call. That could have just been a text. Um, any any final thoughts? Parting shots. Well, we got, it is Halloween Sunday. We re referenced that a couple of Ooh. times. I, are you a big Halloween? My uh, wife's person? favorite holiday. Is it? It's mine, mine too. It's it not like spiders though. Oh boy. So That's it's a, it's a conundrum. <laughs> well, you can celebrate Halloween without spiders. We haven't yet. And I think that's really bothered. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you, are you going to, are you going to dress up and go trick or treat? Now your children, you know, you're like empty nesters now, but you know, right. Well, we, we usually get, uh, no, not doing any of that. Uh, uh, we usually get, I don't know, a couple dozen visitors try to be as generous, uh, as we can. Um, uh, essentially, essentially just to tell them to take a grand, take a handful because we don't, we're not overwhelmed, uh with trick-or-treaters so last year halloween was extremely like it, i think it was like a mechanical engineer's like dream people were building these like tubes you know these social distancing tubes like pieces of uh gutter and uh shoots and like literally like putting the candy at the top and having the kids down at the bottom you know on a on a diagonal like <laughs> decline um get the candy uh, what do you think it's going to look like this year i just recommend strongly recommend wear a mask <laughs> <laughs> ah! doesn't have to be a covid mask it can be a, a what a batman mask or something like that yeah, wear, wear a mask. mask i like that uh and and with that i think we're done dan thanks so much uh for weighing in always great to see and talk with you my pleasure thank you for dan McHale, this has been chris krug you've been listening to the illinois in focus crosstalk segment commentary powered by the center square now over to greg bishop for a look at what the center square will be working on next week next week the team from the center square will continue to unpack all of the legislative action from the past week and its impact on taxpayers workers schools families and more this has been illinois in focus for more illinois stories and commentary online visit the for the center square illinois i'm greg bishop